another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirits, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the word that you have given us. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us through your word. We thank you that, we have that you have revealed yourself to us through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the ways you are pouring your spirit out on us, the way that you are working in us. And we thank you, Father, that each one of us has a role to play, that each one of us is a part of your body here on earth. Father, today, reveal to us what part we have to play. Reveal to us what you created us for, what you intended us for, and help us to live into that today, Lord. Father, we thank you, we praise you, Lord, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So you probably recognize that passage if you were here two weeks ago, because we read it as part of our sermon two weeks ago. And we're going to continue to read it the weeks that I'm here, because I think it's so important for us to continue to remind ourselves and one another, that we are all a part of the body of Christ. Two weeks ago, we talked about the gifts of teaching and pastoring or shepherding. Today, we're going to talk about the gifts of apostleship, uh, prophecy, and evangelism. But before we do that, we have to follow up on something from two weeks ago. We had a few people who received gifts. I know uh, if Mike and Jack are here, if they can uh, head up and 
Dana could not be here, so we're going to show the video that she sent us to tell us how she used her gift. So when Tom had originally asked me to do this, I was very hesitant. And he knew that with everything going on with my health and work and grad school and everything in between. But he encouraged me to take a step out of my comfort zone. And I obviously did, and I opened the screwdriver. <laughs> Immediately, I was like, man, I wish I got one of the other gifts. But I thought to myself, well, my dad's an engineer, so I'll figure out something to do with this. And I really wanted to do something for someone in my life who has done so much for me. And I wanted to do something for my parents. They have supported me through everything. They have always allowed me to have these amazing experiences through athletics and school and traveling. And they've been there for me every step of the way with my career. And especially with my health. They, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have them right now. And I wanted to thank them for everything they've done for me. So I decided to build them a desk. If you have been in their house for the past three, four months, maybe even longer, you would have noticed three huge boxes in their foyer. And those boxes were materials to make the desk. And I decided to carry the boxes to where they wanted it. And I built it all by myself. And it was really cool being able to see something that my parents didn't have the time to do and being able to use my spare time to do that for them. And it hasn't fallen apart yet. Uh, my dad checked it over, so it's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it was really awesome taking stuff out of my comfort zone and thanking my parents for everything they've done for me by doing just the simple act in my spare time. And I am now going to do my best to thank other people in my life in ways that make me uncomfortable because uh, I tend to stay in my comfort zone. So. And so Dana built a desk and it hasn't fallen apart, praise God. We'll continue to pray for said desk. <laughs> but Mike, do you want to go first and tell us, Mike had the box of pasta, so, oh yeah, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> oh, okay. Am I on key? Key. Caught you not paying attention, didn't I? <laughs> so I ate the box of pasta. Yeah, that's what I did. I gave a gift. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I actually... Uh, reached out to Jeff Rotunda of the Men's City Mission and asked them if they had any needs that they needed for their food. And he gave me a whole list of stuff they needed. So Tammy and I went shopping, bought the stuff they needed, added in the box of pasta with some sauce, of course, and uh, went down to the mission and gave these guys their food. And it was really cool because I got to see guys that I haven't seen in a long time that work there now had some conversations with them, got to talk to a couple of guys while I was there, so that was cool. And then uh, we're going to take it one step further, and for the serve week, Tammy and I are going to provide the lunches for the kids at the VBS, too.
So that's what we did. Well, I got a real special bag of goodies. I got a pen and paper, which is not my forte, but um, I decided, well, better pray about this one. <laughs> so I decided, um, Lord gave me some words, and then my wife, um, she kind of abbreviated them so that it was uh, not quite so long. And um, I was going to write little notes and put them on cars in parking lots, and it was supposed to rain that day, so I put them in mailboxes, and then I got done, and my wife says, that's illegal. <laughs> you can't get in people's post office box. So anyways, I did it anyway, so um, <laughs> that's what I did with my, my paper and pen. Um, just a little note, it said, God loves you so much, always has, always will. That's Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, guys. If anybody's watching out there, BPUMC does not condone illegal activities. <laughs> but now I know who writes Christian graffiti all over the bathroom walls, too. <laughs> what a blessing it is to see and not just these three examples, and these were awesome, where I know that, uh, you know, Mike had told me, man, he wished he had gotten the screwdriver, <laughs> and, and Dana said the same thing. She was going to offer to trade with somebody. Um, and, and as Jack said, that was not the one he would have chosen. Um, but each one stepped out of their comfort zone and used their gift, and what a blessing it is to see that in our church. And I have been seeing that more and more and more in our church through a lot of different people. And I've got to tell you, it's exciting. It is so cool to see our church using um, their gifts like this. So today we are going to go through, and you're maybe wondering why the table's here. This is far more of a teaching series. So I have got a manuscript thing I'm going to read to you. A lot of this material is taken from a, a series called Catalyst. And uh, there's several pastors who are doing this. Uh, some of our material came from uh, Peter Wagner, who write, write a, wrote a book, um, Knowing Your Spiritual Gifts, I think it is. And then I had another spiritual gifts book um, in my office that I can't remember the name of the author uh, that I used as well. So just so you know, this isn't per se my material. But it, uh, this is the teaching part. So we're doing it a little bit different through manuscript instead of preaching. And this is different for me doing a teaching thing um, as opposed to just preaching, because it's actually a little easier to just sit up here and, and preach. But if we would, <clears throat> we have another passage, and we're going to go through three different uh, verses, chapter passages today. So our next one is Acts 13, 1 through 3. <clears throat> we'll give Adam a minute to find that, and maybe he could tell us what page it is. 770. 770. <laughs> <clears throat> Okay, 781. Is that our final? 781. Okay, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord, fasting, and 
sorry, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The gift of apostleship is the divine ability to start and oversee the development of new churches or ministry structures. Now first off, like pastoring two weeks ago, there is a difference between the gift of apostleship and the office of apostle. The office of apostle or the job of apostle, that consisted of 12 men and only 12 men. That was the the original uh, disciples, the OG as it were. Uh, Peter, John, James, Thomas. And there are no longer people who hold the office of apostle. There's no longer people who are writing scriptures. This is what we have. This is what has been handed down to us. This is not a living document that changes over time, though this is a living document in the sense that it has the words of life within it. So the office of apostle is no longer around, but the gift of apostleship still exists. And this gift is critical in the church today because those with the gift of apostleship, they plant churches in places where there are none. They plan and launch new ministries serving people who aren't currently being reached. And this doesn't necessarily have to be out of the country. I, I can't remember where I found the story. I think it's in Radical with David Platt, by David Platt that I had read years ago. There was a great story in that book of uh, um, David Platt had been teaching this being radical Christians and a couple in his church took that to heart. So they they had a nice place in the suburbs and they sold their house and they moved right into the inner city into this big complex and they began a ministry right there to an unreached people, you know, people who didn't know Jesus Christ. It doesn't have to be outside of the country. Right here, we can build the church. We as a church here have done this as well. When uh, years ago, in 2007, uh, Pastor Dan had the vision to reach another sort of underreached group, and that was young adults. And he uh, had the vision to start the flip side. He commissioned uh, Andy, who was here, and a bunch of volunteers to, to go out into Bemis, into this place that they bought and, or rented, and to start reaching young adults for Christ. You see, the church needed and still needs people to go out, as Paul and Barnabas did in Acts 13, as that couple did in Radical, as several people did from here going to the flip side, going out and spreading the good news of Jesus Christ to other people who may not ever hear otherwise. And there's another key part in Acts 13 that is very important for the church. What were the believers doing? In that passage, before God called Saul and Barnabas, it says that the believers were worshiping and fasting. They were putting themselves in the center of God's will. Because of this, when God spoke 
they heard his voice. I want to take a minute and I want to talk about what that means to be in the center of God's will. Because I think that is something that's so important for today. No matter what your gift is, we have got to be in the center of God's will. So you know that the word sin means to miss the mark. So to not miss the mark, to live the way we ought to live, is to be in the center of God's will, to be in that bullseye. But so often we spend our lives on the fringes of the target. How close can I get to sin without actually crossing a line that's going to tick off God? But that's not what the church was doing. That's not what we should be doing. We have got to be seeking God with our whole hearts, being in the center of his will, because then and only then will we get to hear the voice of God. And we definitely do not want to go out without the blessing of God. Now, you might be talented enough that you could still prosper Without the help of the Holy Spirit, you may be one of those sticky people, one of those very charismatic people. But imagine what you would accomplish with the power of the Holy Spirit behind you. We want to make sure that we are in the center of God's will, going where he leads us to go, doing what he is calling us to do. Now, if all this talk of going out and sharing the word of God, if that gets you fired up, perhaps you have the gift of apostleship. People with this gift can do things like they adapt to different surroundings by being culturally sensitive and aware. They desire to minister to unreached people in other places, and they desire to have the responsibility that comes along with creating and overseeing new ministries. They are often adventurous, persevering, adaptable, risk-taking, and cause-driven. Because of these things, because of their gifting, they can establish new ministries and new churches. We have a lot of space for this here at BPUMC. One of the things that I know myself and and Britta and Kaylee and Andrew, we have talked about a lot is, uh, especially since Britta sent us another great podcast, is the need for us as a church to be coming alongside the body when somebody sees like, all right, I I see a need and I can fill that need, how can we come alongside you as a church and help you to accomplish your goals, accomplish what God has put on your heart? We want to see that here. If God is calling you to do something, tell us, let us know this because we want to be able to come alongside you and help you in whatever God is calling you to do. And if you feel as though you have this gift and you are sensing that God is calling you to use your gift of apostleship, I encourage you to talk with any one of us here on staff at BPUMC. But just as we discussed two weeks ago, there are aspects of this gifting that we have to be cautious of. Like with any gift, there are, there are pitfalls that we have to watch out for. People with the gift of apostleship should always be aware that misusing their authority can quench the spirit of others. You know, Charlie Hodges said something to me a couple months ago about always being concerned and not wanting to quench somebody's spirit. If somebody is on fire for God, whether we agree or not, with the way they're doing it or not always, we so do not want to quench that spirit. So those with this gift, we have to make sure that we are not quenching other people's spirit by being overbearing or prideful. People with this gift can't just 
launch off onto their own, or they shouldn't just launch off onto their own to do what they think God has called them to do. But following the example of Paul and, uh, or Saul and Barnabas, we, need to, we ought to be affirmed by the church through the Holy Spirit. I think it's so important that we as a body stay united. And I know maybe God's calling you to do something and sometimes we run off, but I've seen so many times where people have run off on their own to do something and because they haven't waited on the church, because they haven't waited on the Holy Spirit and the confirmation of that gift, um, we've just seen it create some disastrous results. I think it's so important to be affirmed by the church and through the Holy Spirit. The problem with the gift of apostleship can also be demanding, I'm sorry, people with the gift of apostleship can also be demanding sometimes and pessimistic. So be careful that grace abounds in everything you do. So we're going to, we have some questions I think that we're going to put up. If these apply to you, as you go through these, if you're answering yes to these, then this may be your gift. Maybe apostleship is your gift. And this gift is a catalyst that increases the number of ministries and churches that are ministering to more and more people for God's glory. I want to take a second and I want to pray um, over, over all of you that, about this gift Heavenly Father, again, we ask you pour your spirit out on this place. We ask, Lord, that if there is anyone here with the gift of apostleship, Father, that you would reveal it to them. Or if they already suspect they have this gift, Father, we pray that you would confirm it for them, Lord. Father, reveal who has this gift and give them the courage and the boldness to begin to use this gift for your glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our second gift is prophecy. We're going to go to 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21. Eight sixty is where it starts. Thank you, Adam. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Prophecy is the divine enablement to reveal truth and proclaim it in a timely and relevant manner for understanding, correction, repentance, or edification. Now, when you think of prophecy, you may think of Nostradamus predicting future events, or Gene Dixon, if you're, you know, older like me. (laughs) And how awesome would it be to have that gift, to know who is going to win the the World Series or the Super Bowl or next week's lottery numbers. That would be be an okay gift to have. 
But this isn't exactly what we're talking about. We're not talking about just predicting future events. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, when you hear prophet, you probably think of Old Testament prophets like Isaiah or Jeremiah. Their job was to speak God's truth to the people of Israel for understanding, correction, repentance, and edification to correct their course. They had a burning desire to see people come back to the heart of God. Now, I've been through some some difficult circumstances, like I'm sure all of us have been. So because of the things that I've been through, sometimes when I watch people walking down the same path that I've walked down, I know exactly what's going on, and I know exactly where they're heading. And I don't want to see other people experience the pain that I experienced with some of the decisions that I made so oftentimes, especially with my young adults, I, uh, I will warn them of the potential consequences of these choices if they continue on this path. This is kind of like being a prophet, except that with a prophet, someone having this gift, I would say it's far more supernatural and extends far beyond just personal experiences We all have personal experiences, so we can all, in a sense, predict where people are heading when they take the same path. People with the gift of prophecy, they first have a supernatural ability to understand what is going on in the present. They can see the direction the world is going or a nation is going in. They can see the path that individuals or that the church is on, and they can even sometimes see what is going on inside of individuals. I have known two people with this gift. One in particular was very gifted in this area, and talking to them was sometimes intimidating because I was certain that they could see right into my mind and my soul because they seemed to know things that they really shouldn't have been able to know. And they were able to give me wisdom and direction for the way to go in the future. God reveals things to people with this gift. So two weeks ago, we talked about how people with the gift of teaching have this ability to learn, to take things in. People with the gift of giving also also tend to have this gift of receiving. They just seem to get and get so they can give and give. And it becomes a cycle. And it's the same thing with this gift of prophecy. There's a a giving of information of what is going on. And then there's the responsibility that what they have received is to be shared with the people um, that God has called them to share it with. It's the uh, prophet's responsibility to reveal sin or deception, or whatever is going on that the Lord has revealed to them. That they may be convicted, repent, and then reconciled with God. We see this in Ezekiel 33 when God is um, talking to Ezekiel about being a watchman on the wall. And in that passage, what God tells Ezekiel is that, look, if an army is coming and you blow the horn and you warn people and they ignore you and they are destroyed by that army, then that's on them. But if you see the army coming and you don't blow the horn 
and that city is wiped out, that's on you. God will hold him responsible as well. <clears throat> There's an extra responsibility to having this gift much like with teaching and pastoring that we talked about two weeks ago, there's a higher standard with this gift. Some other things that you need to be aware of, some cautions with this gift, and uh, maybe could we put up the next questions so people can kind of look at those as, as I'm going through the, the cautions. You can kind of be looking at the, the questions as well. If you have this gift, you need to be very aware that people may reject the message and they may reject the messenger. This is especially true if it's not spoken in love for their edification. So we need to speak the message the way the, the, gospel, the, way the Bible has told us to speak it. We need to speak messages in love um, and in an edifying way. But ultimately, if we are sharing what God calls us to share, then it's okay if people reject us. That's on them. You need to avoid pride and check it whenever it does arise in you. Pride creates a demanding stance which discourages rather than edifies. And you must always remember that discernment and scripture must support and agree with every word of prophecy. Be willing to recheck any message with the Holy Spirit in prayer. The gift of prophecy is a powerful gift. People with this gift are the people we go to for the pulse of the church. They help to steer the church. And this gift helps us to apply scripture of how we should live out our faith today if we listen. If you have, or if you feel like maybe this is the gift you have, again, I encourage you to explore that calling This this is a catalyst in the church because it's the very thing that moves people and churches to a deeper level of truth-filled connection with God. So let us uh, pray over you for this gift. Heavenly Father, I thank you again that uh, we have everyone here today. Lord, we pray you'd pour your spirit out on this church. We pray that you would reveal or confirm this gift in the members of this church. Father, if somebody is is wrestling with, maybe that's me, Lord, maybe it's not, confirm this to them in a way that they will not be able to deny, that they will know that this is you calling them into this gift. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our last gift is the gift, excuse me. Our last gift is the gift of evangelism. Evangelism is the divine enablement to effectively communicate the gospel to unbelievers so that they respond in faith and move towards discipleship. Our passage is Romans 10, 13 through 15. Got it. 8.02. I don't know why it's hard for you guys. It's, they're marked in my Bible. So. <laughs> um, all right, 13 through 15. Now I've got to find it as they're marked, but I still have to find where we are. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. People with the gift of evangelism have a divine ability and desire to see people move from a life eternally separated from God to a life which is eternally connected to God. They have a desire to tell other people about God. People with this gift would rather be out on the street talking to people about Jesus or at, a door, or at the door moving toward pe- people towards a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm going to assume if you're tired of being here listening to me, it's because you have the gift of evangelism, just want to get out of here and share the good news with people. All right, that fair enough today? <laughs> so if you're tired of listening to me, that may be. Maybe God's speaking to you that uh, this is your gift. People with this gift, they communicate the message of Christ with clarity and conviction. They don't wander around the street speaking in Christianese and confusing people with theological ramblings. Here's the truth. Here's Jesus. Very simple. People with this gift seek out opportunities to talk to unbelievers about spiritual matters. They want to build relationships with people who are not walking with Jesus. There's some special radar that people with this gift have that if somebody walks into the room and they don't know Christ as their Savior, they immediately sense it and are drawn towards that person and they want to build that relationship and share with them. And in the process, they also have a spirit-given ability to challenge unbelievers to consider faith, to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And because every person they meet has a different personality and communication style, they are able to adapt their presentation of the gospel to connect with the individual's needs. Now, they don't change the gospel, but they adapt to the presentation very important distinction we have to remember. People with the gift of evangelism are serious and they're sincere. They're candid, respected, and influential. This gift is critical to the kingdom and to the church if we want to grow by means other than welcoming people from other churches. Getting people to come here from another church that's not evangelism. Sending people out to witness to the unchurched, bringing them to Christ, that is evangelism. And in the church, we need people to go out into our communities and share the gospel. Not to a foreign country, but just Ellery Park. There's always people in Ellery Park in the summer. Not necessarily to a foreign country, but to Main Street and Bemis. There are always people on Main Street and Bemis right now people who need to hear the good news. Your neighbors, people next door who need to hear the good news anywhere you live. Now, it's important to know we don't all have the gift of evangelism. And it's funny, Dewey prayed this morning that uh, um, as we were praying about these gifts, he he made the, the comment in his prayer that everyone, a lot of people say, I don't have a gift or I don't have this gift or that gift. And we kind of will use that as an excuse sometimes to avoid serving God and building his kingdom. And we may not all have the gift of evangelism, but we are all called to witness for Jesus Christ. 
We are all called to share the good news. This is not my gift, but that doesn't stop me from going out and uh, sharing with strangers, as I shared with you guys several weeks ago. Now, I'm kind of jealous of the people with this gift. We have a few people in this church that are just awesome at this. And I've gotten to uh, uh, go on prayer walks with some of them and watch them as they have no problem just going up to people and introducing themselves and talking and immediately just sort of changing the mess, changing the conversation to, to God and, and, and going into spiritual matters. What a blessing that would be. I have to work at that, and I imagine many of you have to work at that. But we ought to be out there continuing to witness anyways. But if you have the gift of evangelism, there's some cautions that you need to be aware of. And can we put those questions up for this one? People with the gift of evangelism need to remember the Holy Spirit, not guilt, is the motivator in a person's decision for Christ Shoving, pushing, or otherwise and coercing them is not our job. It is the Holy Spirit that does the work. It's the Holy Spirit that will convict them and bring them to Christ. We share the message with grace. People with this gift need to avoid becoming critical of others who don't have this gift. Again, we're all witnesses. We're not all evangelists. It's not as easy for all of us to go out there and do what the evangelist does. So show grace to us who don't have this gift. People with this gift need to listen to people carefully and then respond with grace and love. Everyone is different. Everyone has different needs. We need to be sensitive to that and the people that we're talking to. Now, if as you were reading uh, some of these questions up here, again, you see you in this, you're answering yes and what we're talking about. Perhaps this is your gift. Again, I encourage you to explore this gift. And obviously this gift is a catalyst to growing the church because its main purpose is to awaken people to the availability of rescue from God. It's to let people know that God loves us. God wants to save us from our sins, both now and in eternity. And when just one person comes to know the love of God um, through Jesus Christ, that is how we build his kingdom here. Let me pray over you for this gift as well. Heavenly Father, again, pour your spirit out on us. If somebody has this gift and they don't know it, reveal it. If somebody has been wrestling with you, saying they don't believe they have this gift, I pray that you would confirm this to them and give them a courage and a boldness to use the gift you have given them, Father. Lord, reveal to us the gifts you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Apostles start and oversee new churches and ministries. Prophets speak truth and call us to be restored to God's will. Evangelists help us witness to the truth of Jesus, help us witness the truth of Jesus to an unbelieving and hurting world. All of these are catalysts that grow the church and give glory to God. Have you discovered your spiritual gift yet? Have you been wrestling with God about something? 
Is he speaking to you about a gift, but you're like, no, 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 I can't do that. And I was thinking this with the gift of evangelism. Maybe God is telling you this is your gift. I want you to go out and share with other people. And your thought is, I can't do that. I challenge you to try. Because maybe when you try the first time, the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on you in a mighty way and all of a sudden the floodgates are going to be unleashed and you are going to be sharing the gospel with people in a way that you didn't even know was possible for you. With any of these gifts, if you are feeling even a tinge of God's conviction that this is you, I challenge you to at least explore and try to serve in this area and see if God doesn't pour his blessings out on you. And if you have not heard your spiritual gift at all yet, stick with us. We've still got a few more weeks. All right, we've got several more weeks of going through uh, spiritual gifts. And we will get to your gift in the coming weeks. Would you uh, join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, again, we thank you and praise you for this day. I thank you that each one of us has been blessed with a gift through your Holy Spirit. And we may not know what that gift is, but we know that we are valuable members of your body, Lord. Do a work in us and through us and reveal to us what your gift is. Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker Lost. He's a way maker. If you need freedom, a savior, he's a prison-shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out. From the same old fight We've all run the things we know just ain't right There's a better life There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker If you feel lost He's a way maker Believe it if you receive it if 
coming here for a while, you know that that was our time of reflection <laughs> and uh, our time for talk about offering that I forgot to announce. <clears throat> um, but we're going to pray over the offering. We're going to sing the doxology together in a second. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ways you have provided for us, the gifts you have provided for this church. We thank you for the ways you provided for us individually, that we have the opportunity to give back to you, Lord. And we pray for your wisdom and discernment for this church to know how to use the gifts you've given to, uh, to bless our community, to bless our world, to build your kingdom here on earth, Father. Lord, we thank you and praise you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Praise God from whom... 